G'day, welcome along to another sermon from Good News Christian Church in Howrah, Tasmania, Australia. I'm Bernard Kane. I'm the pastor. Get in touch sometime at goodnewschristianchurch.org or why not come by one Sunday morning. For now, here's the sermon. So an angel comes to Mary, promises the miraculous, declares the unbelievable, disappears back to the heavens. So we read it, so we know it, so we've heard it, haven't we? Year after year after year. Uh, Now for some today, we are talking about, or for most of us, I would hope, the foundation story of our faith, or at least part of the foundation story of our faith. This is where it all began, Um, well, in a sense, you know what I mean, it's kind of the heart um, of our faith. But for others, and I I guess I want to begin, uh, or before we begin, just by speaking to you for a moment, for some of us, perhaps, we're not quite so sure. You know, Mary, the angel, such miraculous promises, such unbelievable futures... Some of us are not quite so sure, sceptical, harbouring in our hearts, can I put it this way, the doubts of Alice, Alice through the looking glass, in her conversation with the White Queen in Wonderland, Uh, doubts about whether we can believe this miraculous, angelic promise and all the rest of it. Do you remember it? So, come with me to the world of Wonderland for a moment, would you please? Um, And we pick up the conversation as the White Queen... Oh, there we go. There's Anne Hathaway and um, who's that actor on the left anyway? Come with me to that world. As the White Queen chips away at Alice's reluctance to believe the miraculous, coaches Alice on how to swallow the impossible. Do you remember the scene? So the White Queen says to Alice, let's consider your age to begin with. How old are you? Asks the Queen. I'm seven and a half exactly. You needn't say exactly, the Queen remarked. I can believe it without that. Now, I'll give you something to believe. I am just 101, five months and a day. I can't believe that, Alice answered. Can't you, said the Queen in a pitying tone. Try again, draw a long breath and shut your eyes. Alice laughed. There is no use trying. One can't believe impossible things. I dare say you haven't had much practice, said the Queen. When I was your age, I always did it for half an hour a day. Why, sometimes I believed in as many as six impossible things before breakfast. Oh, there goes my shawl again. The brooch had come undone as she spoke and suddenly a gust of wind blew the Queen's shawl across a little brook. The Queen spread out her arms again and went flying after it and this time she succeeded in catching it for herself. I've got it, she cried in a triumphant tone. Now, folks, a 101-year-old, five months and one day Queen flying, yes, flying across a little brook in a wonderland that you access through a mirror, lecturing a little girl on how to believe impossible things, seemingly just for the fun of it. So goes Lewis Carroll's little fairy tale. But ladies and gentlemen, this morning, as we come to Luke's account, no, 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 God's account of the angelic visit to Mary with promises of the miraculous, with declarations of the unbelievable, I put it to you that what you need is not practice in believing six impossible things before breakfast. You don't need a long breath and to just close your eyes for a little while. 
We need not minds that are so open that our marbles fall out, but we do need something remarkable this morning. Um, I'm not a fan, nor am I an advocate of forcing belief in the impossible, the incredible or fairy tales, but I would like to challenge us today that this old story, this familiar story about Jesus presents us with a deep challenge far harder than Alice's um, and even more spectacular a promise than the White Queen um, and her little make-believe. Shall we pray together as we come to Luke chapter 1? Let's pray. Father God in heaven, Father God in heaven, the same God who sent Gabriel to Mary that day, the one God who was there in the beginning and even before the beginning, please, Father, would you put us back in touch with the reality of this old, old story this morning? For we are reading of a moment where you, our God, intervened in space and time, in remarkable ways and so we crave and we desire and we ask for a clearer view of what happened, not a foggier sense of reality or but a deeper grasp of our God, of our world and even of ourselves in it, not just a tall tale to entertain us. So Father, sharpen our attention please to your word And would you reignite our love for Jesus this morning, the Jesus of this old, old but true tale? We ask it in his name. Amen. Right, let's dive back into the story, uh, please, with me. Let's take up Luke chapter 1 and verse 26, where Jack began reading to us a moment ago. So by this time, do you know Luke chapter 1 very well? By this time, uh, God has already made a very elderly Elizabeth pregnant, with baby John, a baby destined to make way for God's new king whenever he happens to arrive on the scene. Um, Gabriel announced that miracle to Zechariah, that's the father, that's Elizabeth's husband, Uh, but Zechariah had a hard time believing Gabriel and so do you remember this, he was literally struck dumb, um, partly as a display of God's power, also as a judgment on Zechariah for his unbelief. So Elizabeth, now pregnant, hid herself away from the public eye, retreated from the world, perhaps for anxiety, perhaps for fear, perhaps for the risk of losing her little one in her already very elderly frame as she carries this growing baby John within. Now, five months, folks, have passed in secret. Luke chapter 1 verse 26, come with me. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. Now, we've got two miracles to look at today, folks, two promised miracles plus an extra one. Let's, let's go. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you've found favour with God. You'll be with child and give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus. We haven't hid anything terribly miraculous yet, have we? Not yet. Uh, there's, apart from the angel himself, he's extraordinary, but everything else is pretty ordinary. Yes, she'll have a baby, Mary will, but there's not yet a promise of the virgin birth, that's still to come. Yes, 
I guess this is a bit spectacular, maybe not miraculous. We know that Joseph belongs to David's family line, which certainly sets up kingly, royal expectations for any baby born to Joseph's fiancée. I suppose there is this, greetings you who are highly favoured. Do you remember this? The Lord is with you, verse 28. That's supernatural. A little bit scary if you ask me, full on for Mary. But I think we only get to the first really miraculous bit here, don't we? Verse 32, come on with me. Gabriel speaking, he, Jesus that is, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, get that, so God's Son, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, so two fathers, God on the one hand, David on the other and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, his kingdom will never end. Okay, that's not normal. (laughs) Um, uh, It's true, sometimes Jewish kings were called God's sons, okay? So, normal human kings, normal human beings, they rule God's people for God, and so they were my son. We saw that in 2 Samuel 7. But I wonder here, surely Gabriel's a bit stronger than that, isn't he? Because do you remember that promise in 2 Samuel 7? Let me remind you of a couple of verses of it. The promise of a forever king. 2 Samuel 7 verse 13, pick it up there with me. Uh, so he, that is your son Solomon, he's talk, Nathan's talking to David, remember? He is the one who will build a house for my name, says God. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father he will be my son, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me, your throne will be established forever. That was in about a thousand BC to King David, father of Solomon. Yeah, but Solomon died. So what happened to forever? Your kingdom, his kingdom will be forever. His kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Yeah, but Solomon died. So what happened forever? Let me put it this way, folks. Miracle number one in Luke chapter one is that God will come good on his promise of a thousand years earlier. This time, my son, yes, a son of David, but my son will rule forever. Do you see, Mary, this ain't no ordinary baby that you'll have. He'll be no regular born and reigned and died king like all of the others. I'm putting my son on the throne, says God. My boy, a king that you'll never need to replace, never want to replace, never can replace. Are we getting this? The most significant human being to ever walk the earth is going to be born to you, Mary. That's what it's saying, isn't it? Are we getting this today? Forever means forever. The most significant human being to ever walk the earth, for the whole world to rally around, ladies and gentlemen, was going to be born to Mary 2,000 years ago. Isn't Mary here promised that her child will reign as God and as man and forever? The Lord is with you, Mary. Do you see? So that's miracle number one. Miracle number two, come with me. Miracle number two. From verse 34. How will this be? (laughs) Good question. Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. Here's miracle number two, the virgin birth. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. 
Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month for nothing is impossible with God. Um, James Montgomery Boyce, just on that very last little bit, that nothing is impossible with God, uh, he says, when we talk about the chief points of Jesus' life and work, we are talking about things that admittedly are supernatural. There have been tendencies in the history of the church to try to explain them away, to say, if only we had a few more details or understood a little bit more about biology or physics or chemistry, then we would be able to explain how some of these things were done. That, that was Mary's question, wasn't it? How will this be, since I'm a virgin? We live, says Boyce, in an age when people think materialistically as if we can see what we can see and measure and touch is all that there is, but that is not the nature of things according to the Bible. When we talk about miracles, he says, we are talking about God who created matter and who therefore is different from and greater than matter. Such a God can obviously do whatever he wants with what he created. How will this be? Mary asks. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Folks, I said there were two miracles um, plus an extra one. So miracle number one, God came into the world, the most significant man in all of history, always and forever and for all of us and all time. Miracle number two, that He, Jesus, was born to a virgin through the work of the Holy Spirit. He would be no mere human, He would be fully man, but he would be fully God as well. How does that work? Well, by God bending the rules of nature by his Holy Spirit. Jesus would be no flawed and failed and frail man like the rest of us. He would be God's son forever, holy and forevermore, okay? Miracle number one, miracle number two. But may I put it to you, might there be a third miracle? And dare I say it, a miracle of sorts for you, Please take a look at these two verses side by side, would you, with me, please. Firstly, Mary's question. Do you remember that in verse 34? Mary's question, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Tell me, what do you make of her tone there? Let's just pause on that verse. What do you make of Mary's tone there? Just about every commentary that I read, every sort of Bible expert, reckons that Mary is speaking from faith there. I reckon she's believing, she's trusting, she just wants to understand the mechanics of it. She's noble and pious, she's just wondering, how's it going to work? I've got to tell you, I'm not convinced. Take a look at her words and compare them with Zechariah's earlier on in the chapters, and I'm not seeing a great deal of difference, actually. It sure sounds like she's got the same problem that he had. Do you remember from verse 18, we didn't read it today, but perhaps you remember it from another time, verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. So that didn't come over so well with Gabriel at that time, did it? The angel answered, verse 19, I am Gabriel and I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you, Zechariah, will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you didn't believe my words which will come true at the proper time. But whatever the case with Mary, right? 
whether it was from faith or whether she came around in the course of the passage, when Gabriel comes and tells her a message that will put her at odds with her husband, won't it? As if he's going to believe her. That will place her under the suspicion of her community. When who's going to believe the whole angel story? Would you? And never mind the fact that Jesus, this God-man king, well, he's going to command even Mary's life, isn't he? Imagine if he were your child. You can see that, can't you? If he's king over Israel, then she is giving birth to a child who will be the boss of her life. But verse 38, I reckon this is the third miracle. Verse 38, she concludes, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. See, here's James Montgomery Boyce again. I reckon he makes a good point. He says, but now I want to say that the last of these miracles, the one in Mary, in other words, needs to have its counterpart in us. We too need to believe the good news concerning this child, that he is the saviour sent by the Father to deliver us from sin and we need to commit ourselves to him in wholehearted trust and obedience. And so, friends, this morning, and I suppose especially those who are not here all the time, I guess I want to put it to you and to all of us, have you committed yourself to uh, this King in wholehearted trust and obedience? You see, Christmas, as good as it is, um, you know, comes by once a year, there's the busyness and the presents and the family time and the food and, yes, the sadness and grief tucked in there as well. There's this quaint little story, it's almost like a fairy tale. What did Alice say? I can't believe that. Can't you? said the Queen. Try again, draw a long breath and shut your eyes and Alice laughed, there's no use trying. One can't believe impossible things. I dare say you haven't had much practice, said the Queen. When I was your age, I always did it for half an hour a day. Why, sometimes I believed as many as six impossible things before breakfast. May I leave us with this, folks? Two things, actually. The difference with Jesus... Well, there are two. Firstly, Jesus is no fairy tale. You don't need a playful imagination um, to believe in the Lord Jesus and impossible and six impossible things before breakfast or whatever. Here's the news. The God of all of history, he broke in to place a man in this world who could turn the whole thing around. He did it and he can turn our lives around. But here's the second difference. What will it take for us to commit ourselves to Jesus like he is the God and the King over our lives. See, for that, I reckon we need the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, not that unlike Mary. For that, it'll take not just our Christmas, but it will take our whole year. For that, we will need the presence of God with us. And for that, we're going to need his help to carry the news of this forever King for our unsure and perhaps unbelieving even questioning friends. Let's pray together, brothers and sisters. Our Father God in heaven, we've heard the news, in fact, we've heard it countless times, that the most significant person in all of history entered our world on a particular day in a particular way. Father, we've heard the story, but for many of us, and even for the regulars amongst us, 
Um, too often that's been of little more weight to us than a fairy tale as we get on with our lives in all the busyness and bustle. Our Father God in heaven, would you please awaken us all the more to the gravity of this wonderful tale, this true tale. Would you please grant us not a, not a hollow belief against the evidence, but a firm belief in view of the evidence that you are the God who has reached in and saved. Our Father, this Christmas, would you please teach us to make a far bigger deal of Jesus than we make of the rest of our lives. Indeed, Father, would you please teach us to make a big deal of Jesus in all of our lives. And whether that's to do with uh, patterns of coming to church or not, uh, whether that's to do with how we spend our time, uh, what we dwell upon, um, where we invest our greatest efforts. Father, we, play, we pray, please, would you transform our lives to bear a greater testimony to Jesus. Father, we ask that knowing that that's actually a big prayer um, and it feels beyond us, many of us, for much of the time. Some of us have tried it several times over to recommit our lives to Jesus in bigger ways again and again and it's felt like we've slid back into old patterns and Father we pray don't give up on us but by the power of your spirit the same spirit who was at work in Mary to bring the conception of our Lord would you please be at work in us even this week um, grant us Father lives that bear the shape of our Lord and that bear a testimony that he indeed is the one our whole world needs to rally around. We ask, would you do this work in us and through us, please, in Jesus' name. Amen.